And tonight, uh, as we observe Ash Wednesday, we are talking about running with endurance. Uh, we're looking at Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And just building on what Craig said about Ash Wednesday, <clears throat> just to say this at the beginning, I didn't grow up in a church that uh, went, had Ash Wednesday services. And this has been one of my favorite things we do here at Prairie Bible since I got here. Uh, and I, I'm excited to talk about it more. But Something I've learned about Ash Wednesday, uh, I was thinking about Jesus and how a point came in his ministry where it says he set his face toward Jerusalem. And Ash Wednesday is really about us setting our faces toward Jerusalem. It's about preparing our hearts for the death and the resurrection of Christ. It's about turning away from sin and turning toward God. And it should remind us to make the most of the time that we have here. So as we begin this Lenten season, I want to talk about that. And I think Hebrews 12, 1-3 does a great job of that. So by the time the New Testament was written, the Olympic Games had already been going on for hundreds of years. <clears throat> and so this would have been something uh, the New Testament hearers would have understood. And so back uh, in the ancient Olympic Games... Uh, there were these games that would take place in a large coliseum. And there was one event that would be carried out over a long period of time. And it was the distance foot race. Okay, think marathon. And what was different about the marathon was it wasn't so much about how fast you ran as it was about how far you ran. And that set it apart. And so the author of Hebrews uses that distance foot race to talk about Christian endurance. And so I want you to picture with me here tonight that you are a trained marathon runner. And you're in, I hear some laughs, and you're in a coliseum with many spectators. Because that's the analogy that the author is going to be using here tonight. And we're going to see this word endurance three times in our passage. Now, the Greek word for endurance is hupomene. So stay with me. Hupomene, uh, hupo means under, mene means to remain. So endurance literally means to remain under. In the, in the distance running world, we call this the pain cave. It's when you're, you know, some of you it might be after a mile, some of you it might be after five miles, but if you've ever run distance, you start to enter this pain cave where the knees start to shake, the lungs start to burn. You get a little short of breath. And then as a runner, you have to have endurance. You have to remain under, remain in that pain cave. And that's very similar to the Christian life. If you've been a Christian long enough, you know that not every day is exciting. Not every day is easy. It's like Jesus, he was baptized, the Spirit descended on him, and then he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, right? It was a roller coaster ride for Jesus too, and that's what our Christian life is like. We're going to talk tonight about the one who ran the most difficult race and finished the race the most faithfully. The take-home message is this. We endure the race of faith by fixing our eyes on the founder of our faith. We endure the race of faith by fixing our eyes on the founder of our faith. We're just going to walk through this verse by verse tonight. It'll be like a family talk. And we're going to look at three things, three responsibilities the founder of our faith has given us. 
that we want to be thinking about in this Lenten season. And if you're taking notes, there are bulletins on your seats with fill in the blanks. Here's the first one. The founder of our faith has given us a mission to fulfill. The founder of our faith has given us a mission to fulfill. Look at verse 1 with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, when you go to the end of Jesus' life, right before uh, He left this world, He told His disciples what is called the Great Commission. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you until the end of the age. Jesus left them with a mission to fulfill. If there was no mission to fulfill, Jesus would have just taken his disciples with them. But they had a mission to fulfill. They had a race to run, and we have a race to run too. It's interesting how the author uh, opens up this chapter. He says, therefore... And anytime you see therefore in Scripture, you ask the question, what's it there for, right? And what you do next is you want to look at the thing that came right before it. And what came right before this is what's called the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11. It's all those Old Testament saints who lived and walked by faith in the promises of God and ran the race well. If anybody ever asks you how were Old Testament people saved, you say by faith, just like us. And so he begins by saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's talking about those Old Testament saints. He's talking about if you were in a Colosseum running a marathon, imagine if Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Rahab and Samuel and David were sitting in the stands. You might run a little faster, right? It's like if I was sitting in my office before this sermon, and right before I preached, Pastor Craig walked in, he said, Hey, there's this guy here. He looks kind of old. He's got a really long beard. His name's Moses. And then there's this old couple, Abraham and Sarah, and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Noah and, and, and Rahab. These strange people are here to hear your sermon. Well, I might stand up a little taller and preach with a little more vigor because of that audience, right? Or if you're an athlete, it's like your favorite athlete. It's like me playing in a basketball game and Michael Jordan being in the crowd, right? I'm going to play a little harder. I'm I'm not going to give up. Or if you're a musician and your favorite musician is is in the audience, you're going to perform a little better, right? And so the, the author isn't saying here that these people are watching us live right now. He's not saying don't sin because your great grandma's up in heaven watching you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there are many faithful saints who went before us and ran the race with endurance. And when we want to give up, just imagine they're up there in that crowd watching us saying, don't give up. You can do it. Press forward. Glory awaits you. So we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Then he tells us, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Now, if you've been to an Ash Wednesday service, you know we talk about repentance from sin. It is about turning away from sin and turning toward God. And I hope you'll be willing to bring those things before God tonight. What I find interesting about this passage is he also says, lay aside every weight. Something separate from sin. Did you know that some things in life aren't necessarily sin, 
uh, they're just dumb to do. Did you know that? Some things aren't beneficial, right? There are certain things uh, that, let's say you're preparing for a race, if you put on ankle weights right before you ran a marathon, that's not sin, that's just dumb. (laughs) Right? So there's things in this life that might not be wrong, but they're not beneficial. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that it's it's a healthy thing to have hobbies. There's a lot of things that are in and of themselves good. But I also think Ash Wednesday is an opportunity to check ourselves and see if anything's gotten out of balance in our lives. I'll be the first to say I love sports. You all know that. I love to watch a good basketball game, a good football game. But if I spend so much time on sports that it takes away from the mission, that's a problem, right? Social media in and of itself is not a bad thing, but you probably don't need to be on it seven hours a day. You get what I'm saying? Ash Wednesday is about asking those hard questions about our life. What ankle weights do we need to take off so we can run the race more faithfully? And then the author says, let us run with endurance the race marked out for us. Not every one of you might be called to preach sermons like me and Craig. I've also talked to people, though, who go on mission trips that I don't feel may be called to go on. And so there's all types of different gifts we've been given in the church. God has a plan for your life. He's marked out a race for you. But we all need to run our race with endurance. We all have a mission to fulfill. So the question I want to ask you tonight is what things are hindering your ability to fulfill the mission? What's hindering your ability? Is it patterns of habitual sin? that you've just known for a while that God's been pressing on your heart and you haven't quite been willing to bring it to Him? Bring those things to Him tonight. I want to remind you that we serve a gracious God. A truthful God, but also a gracious God. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to tell you a secret. He already knows anyway. So go to Him. And you'll be met with grace at the throne of grace. But maybe it's not sin for you. Maybe it's ankle weights. Maybe it's some weights you need to lay aside this Lenten season so you can get focused again and prepare your heart for what Jesus did on that Easter Sunday. I don't know what it is for you, but I hope we can bring these things before the Lord tonight because we have a mission to fulfill at Prairie Bible Church. The founder of our faith has given us a mission to fulfill. Here's the next one. The founder of our faith has given us an example to follow. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews, this amazing letter in the Bible, is all about the supremacy of the Son. If you could summarize Hebrews... In three words, it would be this. Jesus is better. I love the way Hebrews opens. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. That's what Hebrews is all about, and really, that's what this sermon is all about. It's about looking to the ultimate example who ran the hardest race perfectly. What's so interesting about this verse to me is how Jesus endured the race. It doesn't say that Jesus enjoyed the cross. 
It says he despised the shame of the cross. But it also says some really important words right before that. It says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You know, Jesus was able to look past the cross. To get through the cross. And it's a reminder to us as Christians in those ups and downs in the Christian life to remember that glory awaits us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your best days are ahead. In fact, these days cannot possibly compare to the inexpressible joy for eternity that awaits you. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that, don't we? When it gets hard. (laughs) So my wife and I, uh, we are distance runners, okay? And I can already feel the glares, you know, coming at me right now. When I tell people that we met uh, on a long run and we were just talking, they're like, how do you run and talk? (laughs) I understand that's a question some of you have. It took me a while to get to that point. But we like to run. But I want to let you in on a secret. We don't always want to run. Sometimes, you know, we're sitting in our house and we're like, my legs are sore, I don't really want to run. And we have to spur each other on to go. She has to spur me on more than I have to spur her on. But once we get out there, depending on how far we're running, there inevitably comes a point in time where we are in the pain cave. And we don't want to run anymore. But we're three miles away from our car. (laughs) So we have to keep going. And what we will do is we also love to eat. That's why we love to run. And we'll start to talk about what we're going to eat after the run. I'd be like, man, I would love a big juicy burger and some fries when I get done with this run. What would you like to have, babe? I would like to have a steak, maybe a cup of coffee, right? I know it's a silly example, but what we're doing is we're looking to the joy that's past the run aren't we? We're looking to the joy that's beyond the run because the run's not always fun. The run's hard. I remember when I worked in finance, uh, one of the things I had to do uh, was knock on people's doors to meet people in the community. You're looking at me like, you're that guy? Yeah, I had to be that guy. It was terrible. But when I would do that, it wasn't always fun, right? You don't want to get out of your car and go knock on a stranger's door. So talking to one of the guys who was really good at it and had built a financial advisor business, he said, the way I get through it is I think about anything else, (laughs) right? He was looking to the joy set before him that he might meet people in the community, that he might get clients, right? And so those are just small principles of what Jesus is saying here. We need to look past the race sometimes to get through the race, don't we? And Jesus has given us an example of just that very thing. Something I want all of us to think about tonight is the return of Christ. Take some time to focus on the return of Christ. I've found in my life, one of the healthiest things I can do to understand where I stand with the Lord is ask myself this question. How does it make me feel if I heard that Jesus Christ was returning right now? What's my first emotion? Is my first emotion, man, I better take care of this, 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 this. Well, then maybe I should take care of those things tonight. Because he could return at any time. Or is my first emotion, man, come back, Lord. Can I say that with the Apostle John? Jesus, come back. Because it says about the people of God that we should love our Lord's appearing. What's your first thought when you think about Jesus' return? We need to look past the race, to get through the race. The founder of our faith has given us an example to follow. Here's the last one. 
the founder of our faith has given us a battle to fight. Look at verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Make no mistake about it. We are in a battle. We are in a spiritual war. I'm under no illusions about the war we're in. I'm under no illusions about how tough this mission can be, this race can be. I don't know about you, but I don't just float through my day. There are many thoughts on a daily basis I have to take captive to obey Christ. There are many times I have to restrain my words and repent for my words. There are many times where I have to check my actions at the door and make sure they're aligning with the Scriptures. That's a daily battle. I'm sure it is for you as well. I'm reminded that the same Jesus who said uh, His yoke is easy and His burden is light also said, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life and few find it. That same Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. I don't want us to be under any illusions that this race is easy because it's not. The Lord will meet you in it and give you joy and peace. But this verse gives us a very important instruction for getting through the race. It says, consider Him. Consider Jesus Christ our Lord. Consider Him. Consider Him tonight whose own family thought He was crazy. Consider Him whose best friend betrayed him. Consider him whose own brothers didn't believe in him during his life. Consider him tonight whose closest followers deserted him in his time of need. Consider him tonight whose other best friend denied him three times. Consider him who was falsely accused by the courts Consider him who was rejected by his own people whom he loved. Consider him who was reviled by the religious authorities. Consider him who was mocked and tortured by the Romans. Consider him who took the full wrath of the fury of God against sin and drank that cup dry for you and me. Consider him who bore the sins of the whole world. I can't guarantee you as one of your pastors tonight, I can't guarantee you that you can handle everything in your life. But I can guarantee you that Jesus can handle it. I can't guarantee you that you can carry the burdens you brought in here tonight. But I can guarantee you that Jesus can carry the burdens you brought in here tonight. And listen, tonight as you take those ashes, as you worship our Lord, I want to encourage you to come boldly to the throne of grace so that you might find help in your time of need because we all need help. We can't finish this race on our own. But Jesus can help us finish the race. Amen? As we prepare to take the ashes, we're going to sing a song first. And John and Karen, you can come up now. I just want to close how we seek to close every message we give here at Prairie Bible Church with the gospel. The gospel is this, that a man named Jesus of Nazareth walked this earth 2,000 years ago. That's a historical reality. And he lived a perfect and sinless life. But he was unjustly put to death on the cross. 
for your sins and my sins. But death could not hold down the Lamb of God. After three days, he rose again. He appeared to his followers uh, as witnesses that it really happened, that he really raised from the dead. And then he ascended to heaven, where right now, he's seated at the right hand of God. And someday he's coming back. And the Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Something I found amazing about salvation is that we are to come as we are. I tell people all the time, I say, you don't have to pick up all the pieces of your life. We all meet Christ somewhere, and a lot of us have baggage. And we don't got to pick all of it up. We come as we are, and Jesus will pick up the pieces. But here's the good news. He won't let us stay as we are. When you say that prayer, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and Jesus comes into your life. You receive the Holy Spirit, and you get to spend the rest of your life becoming more and more like Christ. And it's a lifelong process for all of us. At the very end of service tonight, uh, after we close, I'm going to be over in the prayer room. I'd love to pray that prayer with you. Uh, and I'll be over there if you need any other prayer. this evening.